Back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I am Thomas Goldcamp, and joining me today is Blake Alderman. Blake, we are about 48 hours away from the kickoff for the 2019 season with Florida and Miami taking on each other in Orlando. We have talked about it quite a bit already, but this will be our final show until uh, Florida kicks off and we have some actual football to talk about. Yeah, like I said on a couple shows, I'm really glad to have some real football to talk about. Not writing about the cleats that Florida's going to wear or, you know, pulling up this and that and, and kind of stretching a lot of things into uh, into something. So I, I'm looking forward to the season starting. Football is back. So I'm, I'm excited to uh, see not only a, a big in-state rivalry, but, you know, also, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to watch this game after that, too. I'm just I'm a football yeah. person. I, I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch them both. I'm excited. Yeah, well, it's interesting you mentioned the word rivalry. I think that was kind of one of the big talking points uh, this week for Florida players and coaches. Um, you know, we, we had our last show before uh, they got a chance to speak on game week. And so obviously that was one of the big topics this week. And it, I, I thought it was kind of interesting because these two programs haven't really played a whole lot regularly in, in the last several years. Um, you know, a lot of these guys were in, I think, eighth grade. Uh, we talked to Marco Wilson the last time Florida played. And so there's not really a, a whole lot of perspective from the sense of, uh, you know, these guys having played in the rivalry or having grown up seeing uh, this rivalry played. Um, so I thought that was interesting. You know, you obviously always have the guys. Um, there's there's so many guys from South Florida on both both teams. Um, so there's obviously a lot of buildup that way. Um, but it's kind of interesting that, you know, for all intents and purposes, this is not viewed by the players as a rivalry, even even a, as much as games like LSU, where you see them every year. Um, I, I, I do think it's cool that we're going to get to see Florida in 2024 and 2025 against Miami. Um, I think that that scheduling news probably also amps this one up a little bit because it, it gets you the sense that this rivalry is kind of coming back, so to speak. Absolutely, and I think that kind of shows that maybe the thought process, maybe, you know, Mullins, uh, Strickland, the, the AD at Florida, kind of their thoughts of, you know, not only boosting your schedule with, you know, not opening against a cupcake that nobody's ever heard of and you run it up this big score, um, you know, but it also kind of brings into the perspective of Florida now plays Miami and Florida State. You know, not only is that big bragging rights between, you know, who runs the state of Florida, it's big bragging rights on the recruiting trail. So I think it's just something that shows that. You know, when it comes time for playoff committees, you really want to look at like who have you played, how is your schedule. So not only is it showing that they're really serious about kind of boosting things up. You know, obviously you've got the home and aways uh, down the road with with Colorado, Texas, and again the Miami one that you just mentioned. So you know, I think it's kind of could turn into maybe more of a rivalry when you have them playing more. Like you said, I think the last game they played was in 2008 when it was in the, or no, excuse me, it was in 2013. And before that it was in 2008. So, you know, not a lot of, you know, games that they've seen there, but it seems like they're making it more of a, maybe a point to kind of play those in-state games like that. Absolutely. And I think that's a, that's a huge deal. I, I guess kind of where I'm going with that is um, for, for it being an in-state rival, there really hasn't been a whole lot of chatter, a whole lot of trash talk. Um, we got some, about two weeks ago in the middle of fall camp. And I think that was more, you know, Florida players just kind of being, you know, in the grind of fall camp and, and just wanting to say something. Um, but there hasn't been a whole lot of um, trash talk or, or, or guys even really saying things that let you know that they're super fired up. And I, I actually kind of took 
that a little bit as a sign of Florida's confidence. Um, I think that this team has really, really bought into Dan Mullen's message of, um, you know, it's not about necessarily what happens on that individual Saturday. It's about how we prepare for it leading up. And I think that this Florida team has prepared really well for this game um, in the sense that they've prepared all offseason for this. And I really get um, an extreme sense of confidence coming out of the Florida camp right now. Yeah, everything's pretty confident there whenever you have kind of a, a you know more veterans on your roster than you know younger guys and you know I think it also kind of goes maybe maybe even intertwines but the way I see it is that you know Mullen has you know he's talked about Felipe Franks in the past of you know tune out the social media it kind of seems that you know maybe do your talking on the field and not so much over social media so I, I don't know I, I feel like Chris Steele whenever he left Florida got a little bit more flack on Twitter than even the Miami players when they're coming into this game so yeah. you know I think that it's kind of not necessarily it's it's not just the confidence but it's also you know you don't want to give another team any kind of locker room talk you don't want to mm-hmm. boost their you know their confidence you know fire them up even more so i think that's probably the better route to go well it's been very business like no doubt so i guess uh you know speaking of business let's let's get into it um we did have a chance to speak to you know the players and coaches to kind of get their thoughts on what they're going to face this week and I think, um, you know, despite the fact that Florida and Miami haven't played each other a whole lot, there is a whole lot of familiarity between the two coaching staffs. Um, you know, obviously, Manny Diaz, Miami's head coach, uh, is a guy that coached with Dan Mullen at Mississippi State on two different occasions as his defensive coordinator. Um, but then there's also crossover from, you know, Dan Mullen's time at Mississippi State with Manny Diaz's offensive coordinator, Dan Enos. Um, and so there's some familiarity there, too. Um, I thought that was probably the most interesting stuff that we got out of this week in terms of listening to players and coaches kind of break down the matchup. Um, Dan Mullen is very familiar with Dan Enos and actually have some some stats in front of me. They played three times um, when Dan Enos was the offensive coordinator at Arkansas. And if you're a Florida fan, you look you start to look at those games. The numbers are actually a little bit concerning. I didn't even realize this until I looked it up a day or two ago. Um, but Dan Enos's offense has had some success against. Mississippi State. I'm looking at it. Um, you know, Mississippi State won the the game in 2015. They won 51 to 50. Okay, so super high scoring game. And interestingly, interestingly enough, that was one of the years that Manny Diaz was the defensive coordinator. Um, so obviously, you know, Manny Diaz has some healthy respect for Dan Enos, and that probably led to, uh, in some ways, that that hiring. I would say. Um, then you look at the 2016 game. Um, Arkansas hung 58 on Mississippi State in a 58 to 42 win. So another super high scoring scoring game. Uh, you know, obviously that was the year Mississippi State had Peter Peter Sermon as their defensive coordinator and had all kinds of problems. Um, and eventually Dan Mullen replaced him with Todd Grantham. So that's maybe a little bit of an aberration. Um, but then even in 2017, um, you know, 28 to 21 win for Mississippi State when Todd Grantham was the defensive coordinator. Um, that's 40, 43 points per game that Enos averaged against uh, Mississippi State in those three years. That's that's pretty impressive off the cuff to me. Yeah, that's something that they're going to really have to key on, and I know obviously that you know the stats were there before. Um, at least most of the stats were there before Todd Grantham was there, and, and you know you could really kind of look into the rosters maybe a little bit more and kind of see more into those numbers. But you know I think that it's 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 hard to kind of predict off of old games because obviously there's new players mm-hmm. and whatnot, and you know but I do think that regardless of that, I, I think that Florida has a lot of experience on their defense to where you know we may not get into the same case of this. You know I think Florida has a really good secondary. You know I think that the defensive line I know they're going to be a little you know probably a little bit thinner than usual, um, but you know I still think that what they have is is pretty well considering that you know not only is 
in a different team in the landscape, but I, I don't know if those Arkansas teams had two freshman offensive tackles either. So, you know, I think that there's yeah, a lot absolutely. of stats. I think that's, to me, the biggest stat that if you're Miami, you have to worry about is not only a true freshman on your left tackle side, but a redshirt freshman who hasn't had a lot of game experience there. So, you know, I think there's little differences there, obviously, but, you know, it is concerning, and I think that Mullen really – Knowing those guys and how they're kind of film junkies, you know, I'm sure they're really looking back and they're really kind of looking at every little nook and cranny. There's the familiarities there that they're going to kind of look out for. So, you know, I'm interested to see, you know, obviously the, these two staffs are familiar with each other. You know, who's done their homework more and who's kind of really been in the film room and, and kind of breaking things down. And I think that Florida may be at a somewhat of a disadvantage whenever you have Miami coming out with a quarterback that, you know, I think has thrown three career passes in his entire yeah. career in college. So, you know, there, there are things that they're going to have to look at in different and kind of really differentiate there's not things that you can really kind of count on if he's going to come out and you know struggle and look like a freshman out there so I, I think there's a lot of things that could be different there but I think that Dan Enos has showed that he is a really good top-notch offensive coordinator and I think that Florida's defense is going to need to be ready and how you said things are business-like and they really seem focused and I, I think that the focus will be there for them yeah that was the thing that I guess stood out to me um, you know when Dan Mullen was talking about Enos is He's very consistent with what he does um, in the sense that he kind of has built his own offense over the years, um, and his system relies heavily on tight ends, uh, which I think you'll see Miami use quite a bit. Um, and we'll probably talk about that a little more. I know you know Luke and I broke that down a little bit on the last show. Um, but the thing that Dan Mullen said that I thought was, was very interesting about Enos was he has his own package, and he builds his offense his own way. Um, now, he pulls ideas from different people and evolves over time. But the one thing that Dan Mullen said, um, you know, that – that he's always noticed when going against Enos was that Enos always has an answer. Like he always kind of knows why something's not working and is able to tweak around it. Um, and I thought that was pretty high praise from Dan Mullen. It sounds very much like what Florida staff does um, in terms of adjusting in game. And so not only, I think like, like what you were saying, you know, they may have some wrinkles that Florida hasn't seen based on it being a season opener. The fact that Miami has new personnel. Um, but I think that Enos is very much, this, this will be, I think Florida, you know, Florida's coaches, I want to say John Hevesy called it a chess match um, against Manny Diaz. I would expect the same thing, you know, for Florida's defensive coaches. It's going to be a little bit of a chess match. They're going to have to figure out how Miami's adjusting. Um, the good news, like you said, I think Florida's very veteran across the board. And if you do start digging into those numbers of, you know, Enos's matchups against Mississippi State, the one where, you know, he didn't have as much success did come against Todd Grantham. Uh, in 2017, and then obviously that was a Mississippi State defense that had Jeffrey Simmons and Montez Sweat, and it had a lot of pieces. Um, and I think Todd Grantham certainly has those at Florida um, this fall. So uh, to me, the the tight ends I think are going to be the real key. Um, I don't know yet how they're going to operate. You know, Miami. I think if you're looking at Miami, you would like to be able to use those guys, Brevin Jordan and, and Will Mallory, your two pretty good tight ends in the passing game. But like you said, I don't know if they're going to be able to or if they're going to have to use those guys staying in to chip in pass protection to help those freshman tackles you were talking about. Yeah, absolutely. I think that <clears throat> Brevin Jordan was a really high-profile tight end coming out, and he's had a very good career so far at Miami. And like you said, Enos is, is very – uh, he really does rely on using their tight ends. And not only do they have one, but they have two and Will, Will Mallory – who uh, also was really high, highly regarded guy out of Jacksonville as a recruit too. So, um, you know, for me, I think the biggest matchup still, it, it's going to be Miami's front seven or, you know, even defensive line front seven when, they, you know, they pull blitzes and stuff against a Florida offensive line that isn't exactly young, but they are unproven. And, you know, I, I think that Florida's first starting five, 
you know, I think that they're they're very good. You know, I, not very good. I, I think they're they're adequate. You know, right. I, I they can be very good if they gel and they kind of get no, their playing I, experience together. Yep. So you know, I, I think that they have blocked against a Florida defensive line that we have said on the podcast that we also think is very well too. So I, my thing is, is when it's in a live game, I, I'm just not sure. Whenever the you know the the rivalry game, you know, regardless if they play a lot, you know, these teams are really going to want to get after it, and you know, a lot of familiarities they're playing against each other and and past. Um, you know, I, I'm. My thing that I've always I have talked about so far when we do talk about this game is I really wonder how Florida's offensive line is going to go against that defensive line for Miami. Um, you know, I think that it's one of those things to where if you don't have your starting five that they're going to come out and do well. I just don't know who you're going to replace with, you know, a true freshman, someone who maybe isn't isn't very, you know, there with their game experience yet. So it's it's one of those things to where Florida's offensive line is going to need to come out and they're need to, going to need to have success because I don't know with it being so early in the season they're going to have an answer to throw this guy in and he's going to you know kind of take over. It's kind of a you know save you know go with God just let's let's just try it and see how it goes. So I think that for Florida they're going to need that starting five to really kind of come out and, and really kind of set the tempo and kind of use not only this game to build onto the season because you've got you know a, a less than stellar opponent the next week or after their bye week there so you know I think that this is their time to really kind of come out and and kind of set the tempo and maybe even kind of put a couple doubters out like me that have been kind of hard on this offensive line to rest. Well, I mean, I, and I think it's fair. I mean, you're replacing four starters, and you know, we, I, we've talked about it a couple times. I think when you're talking about that starting unit, um, they're inexperienced in the sense that they haven't played in a whole lot of games necessarily. I mean, outside of Brett Heggie and Nick Buchanan, uh, most of those guys ha- just haven't played a whole lot. Right. Um, but I, I do think you're right when you say that. You know, if they struggle, I'm not sure Florida immediately plugs in the next guy and says, "Hey, this guy can maybe do it better." Because you look at it, and they're all young. I think right. for Florida's coaches, it's going to be more. Um, if the line struggles, how do you change kind of the play calling, what you're right. doing? Quicker, um, quicker passes, right, kind of exactly. getting the ball out, moving guys around in the pocket and whatnot. Maybe, you know, get Felipe out of the pocket and kind of open some things up. So I, I just don't – I think it's one of those things that if Florida's offensive line does struggle, there isn't going to be a guy that they can kind of swap things out. They're going to have to kind of go down with the ship, so to say, and maybe even kind of game plan some other ways to kind of get past that. No doubt. And I, I think we, we talked about Enos and the matchup on that side of the ball. I think just as interesting is the fact that, you know, Dan Mullen and Manny Diaz are kind of going head to head X's and O's play calling um, on the other side of the ball. And that's going to be really interesting to watch. I, I thought it was kind of cool. You know, I, I'm never really big on the in these press conferences of game week here and uh, 18 questions about uh, when did you first meet Manny Diaz or all that. I, they're, for me, there are more pertinent questions to get to who's injured, who's suspended, those kind of things. Uh, but it was kind of interesting hearing uh, throughout the week, you know, how how Dan Mullen kind of ran across Manny Diaz. It was uh, his first year at Mississippi State when Manny Diaz was the defensive coordinator at uh, Middle Tennessee, where they played. And uh, Mississippi State won pretty comfortably. But Dan Mullen, I guess, saw a couple things from Manny Diaz that he really liked and kind of tucked his name away. Um, and then actually had a, uh, a, you know, an offensive coordinator opening the following year and, and ended up hiring Diaz. Um, and John Hevesy was saying the same thing. Like he, he could recall, you know, on a dime, um, exactly some of the stuff that, that, um, that Manny Diaz was running. And I remember him saying it was extremely creative. It was outside the box. And those are two things they really liked about Manny Diaz. And so when you're talking about a Florida offensive line that hasn't played together a whole lot, I do think that, um, you're going to have to kind of weather the storm a little bit. Cause I would expect Manny Diaz to have some things drawn up, some creative blitzes, um, some some maybe some interesting uh, looks in terms of coverage that maybe Felipe Franks isn't anticipating. 
that can make things interesting, I think, early on. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the thing is, is that I, I do... I do feel that for the most part, the playmakers, the running backs, the quarterback, you've got a lot of veterans there that have really kind of seen things and can react to that. And I'm just not so sure that the offensive line can do that if there is adversity and they're, you know, if they do draw up these kind of, you know, things to fool in the, in the way that you, know, you line up in one way and you run something else or you run some kind of stunt. So I'm really interested to see how that, that kind of battle goes there because, you know, I, I do think that Manny Diaz has shown that he's a very good defensive coordinator. Obviously now he's a head coach and he's a defensive minded head coach. So the thing thing is is these teams have had a long time to prepare for this game it's not like they've had just a week to prepare so i know someone's going to have something dialed up whether it's on the offensive side defensive side there, there are going to be some trick plays there whether it's on the offensive side hiding some ways in defense so you know when you have some guys that have had this kind of time to prepare you know it's almost like a bowl game these guys have had so long to prepare um i'm, I'm really interested to see how things fare out because I, I i go back and forth when i'm predicting the game and you know you look at florida and you know they've got a lot of veterans on the roster they return a lot of guys that got really strong playing time last year or even started last year and you look at Miami and you think man starting a freshman at tackle man this quarterback has had three plays but their defense can very well keep them in the game you know they've got a very good defense so my thing is is I go back and forth just kind of predicting the score you know I know we're gonna have to put that out eventually in the show and we've been putting them out um you know oh, as we kind of oh I know it's as we kind of <laughs> lead it up led up to the to the you know to the game there are days where I feel like, man, Florida's going to comfortably win this game. And there's times it's like, man, Florida may – it may be a little bit closer than I'm anticipating. So, you know, I have gone back and forth for the most part of this week. All right, Blake. Well, that's a, that's a good place to take a quick break. And on the other side of this break, we will be breaking down the key matchup for both Blake and myself in this game. We will give our score predictions, and then Blake will give us a rundown on some of the top recruits expected. So stay tuned right after the break. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hanna Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hanna quality for your most precious gift. Hanna Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm here with Blake Alderman. Uh, we are going to just dive straight into our key matchup uh, for the game. Blake, what you got? Key matchup for the game for me is going to be how how the offensive line matches up against what Manny Diaz runs. You know, I think that this is going to be 
how Florida is going to move the ball because I'm not too sure that Miami is going to have success moving the ball against Florida on the other side of the ball. Um, so for me, I, I think it's going to be how they kind of match up against that front defensive line and how they, they match up against how Manny Diaz is going to call things. So for me, I think the offensive line will take Florida as far as they're going to go in this game. Well, and we, we've talked about that quite a bit, and I think that's um, it's definitely it's definitely a good and relevant matchup. There's no doubt about it. Um, I, I think for me, when it comes down to that, uh, I just think that Florida's coaches um, have proven to me enough times, I think, that they can scheme around an offensive line that's maybe not terrific yet. Um, I I keep going back to that Mississippi State game uh, last year where it was before Florida's O-line really gelled. Um, they were playing a terrific Mississippi State defensive front, and they were able to do just enough uh, to keep Mississippi State off balance and eventually score enough to win the game. Now, I kind of don't see this game necessarily unfolding like that one. Well, there's that one like 13 to 6, something like that. Close, I don't, very close. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see a game that's that low scoring because um, I think it, I think in these season openers you tend to have mistakes. You know, there there's going to be a busted coverage or two. You know, I remember the Michigan game uh, two years ago. Florida Florida secondary, you know, with as many good players as they had and C.J. Henderson having a big day that day. They had some busts that were like, you know, th- those aren't happening mid-season to late-season. So I don't think we're going to have a super low-scoring game, but I, I can definitely see, um, particularly early on, Miami's defensive front creating some problems for that O-line, like you mentioned. And I, I definitely think that's that's an area to watch. For me, I kind of look at it, I, I think Florida goes in as the favorite. You know, obviously they're favorite in Vegas, but I think that I think that even if you, you know, really ask Manny Diaz um, and his staff, they would say they're, they're probably up against it a little bit against Florida, just being that Florida's more veteran and all that. So I, I kind of look at that matchup on the other side of the ball. I think that Florida is going to come out and try to take it to the Mississippi State. You mentioned that you know Miami is going to be starting or is expected to start two freshman tackles, and you've got a redshirt freshman quarterback in Jaron Williams. I just don't see any way that Todd Grantham, being as aggressive as he is defensively, doesn't absolutely come after Jaron Williams early and try to rattle him. And when you've got a secondary that you know is as good as Florida's, at least at least at the cornerback position, you know we think the safeties are okay. Um, maybe not great, but when you've got that kind of luxury in the back end, why not go after Jaron Williams early? Absolutely. <clears throat> My thing is, is I, I, you know, obviously Miami has a very fertile recruiting ground and they've got lots of guys and a lot of speed there. I just, I'm not sure that they're going to really get those big busted plays. You know, obviously they can happen. It's, it's the first game of the season. You know, there's going to be some rust maybe there, but you know, I just don't know that they have, I don't know that they have the kind of playmakers that are really going to kind of create those mismatches or maybe even the quarterback that may see it because I think in turn they're they're not going to have, he's not going to have all day to sit back there and and kind of pick apart Florida or or maybe throw the long ball here and there. He's going to have to be kind of quick um, and make quick decisions and maybe even kind of fit some things Um, across the middle of the field. You know, they have good tight ends and I think that that's going to be kind of where they do do a lot of their bread and butter and maybe get Jaron Williams a little, you know, comfortable early on kind of throwing those little dink and dunk plays. I just don't know. They're going to really try to take the top off of Florida's defense. And, you know, I think that the best thing they can do is to kind of try to go for the middle of the field, throw some short passes and get him comfortable and then maybe see what they can do there. No, I, I agree, and I think if you're Miami, you kind of have to almost play that way and, and hope for some turnovers. I mean, uh, I, I think we both agree that Florida across the board is probably the stronger team and has fewer question marks. Um, so I, I think you're right. I, don't, I, don't, I just don't see Jaron Williams having the time to really look downfield to take shots. You know, I know Florida, Florida's cornerbacks are, are obviously worried about Jeff Thomas and his ability to get deep. I just, like you said, I don't know that they're going to have the time to do that. 
And another thing, too, that I think is somewhat of a key to watch for Florida is, you know, I, I know we've talked about the confidence, and I don't think this is a, you know, an uberly cocky team where they think they're going to come out and just crush everybody. But Florida's in a much different position than they were last year, to where last year they kind of entered the season unranked. Nobody was really sure what they were going to do, and they obviously exceeded probably a lot of expectations and finished on a high note. And here they are in a totally different category this year where they come in in the top 10 ranking. A lot of people that are talking maybe national championship, maybe a playoff team. You know, Is this a team that can finally beat Georgia with all their veterans? So I think another key for Florida is to really kind of stay grounded and not maybe get too ahead of themselves and think like, oh man, top 10 team, we're full of veterans. You know, This is going to be a cake game. You know, Miami's starting freshmen, Miami's this, Miami's got a new coaching staff. So I think one thing that, and I'm sure Mullen and the rest of the coaching staff has really kind of put this into their brain over the last several months of them preparing for the game. But I think for Florida, it's really just kind of stay grounded and focus on things as a week-to-week basis because it is uncharted territory. Yeah, and and I think that adds a little bit of pressure. Um, I, I think, and we've talked about busts in opening games. I think part of the reason that those busts tend to happen is because you have guys that are so amped up and so excited to get out there and play for the first time in you know eight months, nine months. That they're they're trying to make hero plays, and you see guys, you know, maybe jumping out of their gaps, maybe um, crashing down on a on a coverage a little bit harder than they should, and guys get out of position. Um, I I haven't really necessarily sensed any form of false confidence or, or um, negative overconfidence from Florida, um, but that is always a question mark when you when you talk about these season opening games, and obviously Florida expects to come in here and win. Will guys be content with just doing their job and not trying to make hero plays? Sure. And I I think it's been a question that I've seen asked around on Twitter, maybe even like experts and whatnot, that who does this game mean more to? Does it mean more to Miami or does it mean more to Florida? And whenever I think of things, Florida hasn't had a great offseason. They come in with this top 10 ranking. I think it means more to Florida if you want to continue to kind of change maybe some of the momentum that wasn't quite there in the offseason. Um this is a good way to do it. It's to come in and win this game early whenever you're, what, one of two games that are on that day, and I'm sure a big national audience is going to watch it, and I think this is your chance right here. And, you know, for Miami, I mean, do people really have a lot of expectations for them right now? I mean, I I think that they have a chance to be a very good team in the ACC, but I don't think a lot of people are expecting them to come out and be world beaters. I mean, I've seen some people say they can win up to 10 games, depending on, I don't think they have a very tough ACC slate this year. So, I mean, for, for Miami, I think you come out with, you know, what do we have to lose? Right. I mean, there's no pressure on Miami. You're in year one of Manny Diaz. You have a new quarterback. Um, Yeah, I think you're right. I think you can kind of throw the kitchen sink at Florida um, and not have to worry about, you know, the burden of expectation. But I don't I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing for Florida. I'm just I am. I'm very curious to see how Florida reacts to that and handles that within this game. Um, and, And again, I think it boils down to just do your job. You know, don't try to make a play for another guy. Just trust that he's going to be in the right spot and do his job. Um, All right, Blake, what what do you got score wise? I think it's going to be like a 28 to 10 Florida win. I I think that it's not necessarily going to be close at any point in the game. I think Florida comfortably wins. You know, I don't think there's going to be, you know, any kind of nail biting thing in the end there. But, you know, I think that Miami finds the end zone. I think that they, they, it's 28 10, I feel is like what the game will be like. Okay. I've actually got Florida winning 37 to 23. Um, and I had it, had it kind of a lower scoring initially, but the more I, I look at, um, season openers and um, the fact that Dan Enos has had some success um, against Dan Mullen's teams before. Uh, I, I just think there, there are going to be some mistakes. You know, you, you would like it to be very clean football, but you, you watch any 
uh, season opening game between two big teams over the years, and it, it's never completely mistake free. I mean, there's going to be some busts. So I have it been a little higher scoring. I, I do think, you know, I could easily see it, you know, Florida getting up 37 and, and kind of cruising, and then Miami adding one or two late, you know, in the game, something like that. But I, I do, I've said it all offseason. I think Florida wins uh, by, by two scores, and I'm going to stand by that because I just think this Florida team has a lot more answers than questions. You know, we, obviously we've talked about the O-line, um, but look, Florida's got its best quarterback coming back since Tim Tebow. It's got the deepest group of skill position players I've seen since at least 2009, if not 2008. Um, and defensively, you'd like to see a couple more star players emerge. You know, that's where losing Ja'Kai Polite and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson hurts. Um, but for the most part, you've got veteran guys at every position. And I think that being in year two on both sides of the football is going to make Florida just a lot more comfortable entering this game than Miami will be. Yeah, and I think we're both in the same boat to where I think it's a comfortable Florida win. You know, I, I you know, I, I know you mentioned that there could be some busts and coverages and, and you know, little mistakes here and there that could, you know, put the score a lot higher than what I have it as. But I think for the most part, we're both on the same page of, you know, I don't know that there's going to be any panic in Florida's quarter, corner here. I think that, or at least seems that way that, you know, that it's going to be kind of a pretty, pretty clear cut win. Yeah, and I think it could be it could be very close at halftime. You know, again, there's going to be a feeling out process sure. for both teams. And that was Florida's. That was something Florida had last year. They they were yeah. for the most part a second half team. As well, especially down the stretch. I mean, you sure. look at the Florida State and the Michigan games. Both of those games were much closer than people remember going into halftime. And eventually, Florida's depth and willingness to stick to their plan and just keep plugging away paid off. And I think you're going to see that happen on Saturday. Blake, uh, obviously, this is a huge game being down in Orlando. Um, I, I know there was some back and forth about whether or not recruits would be able to go. Give us the latest on that and and who are some of the top guys that uh, the recruitniks need to be aware of. Yeah, you know, obviously whenever you're, you know, kind of the big ticket game and not only in the state of Florida, but, you know, kind of in the country, um, you know, it's it's a plus for Florida. And they're going to have a lot of in-state guys there just to kind of throw some notes out for, for people. Whenever you have a neutral game site, you can host prospects there. You can sit on. Uh, the Florida side or the Miami side, and I would assume that that's mostly um, sitting around a lot of the commits, um, you know, in kind of a, an area where they've, they've got seats saved for recruits and their family and whatnot. I believe that both teams got around like 150 some odd tickets for the recruits and their family and coaches or whoever they want to bring to the game. Um, so yeah, but the coaches, since it's technically still in a dead period and it's at a neutral site game, coaches and, and staffers are not allowed to talk to the kids while they're there. Um, they can come watch the game. Um, you know, and, and kind of do as they please there. But as far as contact, coaches can't have any contact there. But, you know, it hasn't stopped guys from coming out and, and coming to check out the game. And Florida's going to have a lot of their commits there for the 2020 class. They'll have a 2021 commit in George Jackson, the offensive tackle there. So they should have a lot of their commits there to kind of help do some of the recruiting um, since the coaches aren't a- able to talk to them. As far as targets, um, they're going to have a pretty impressive crop of wide receivers there. You know, Florida is looking to replace some wide receivers with a really veteran group this this class now. Um, so, you know, I have guys like Kentron Poiter, a uh, three-star wide receiver out of uh, Miami Palmetto, um, Elijah Kanan, who is an Auburn commit from down in Fort Lauderdale, uh, Brian Robinson, another four-star uh, wide receiver who's down in, uh, in Palm Beach County down there, uh, Mark Britt. He's a guy down there in South Florida as well. A lot of South Florida wide receivers this cycle that Florida is involved with. Um, and then the kind of the big guy that they've really, really keyed on so far is, is four-star Arian Smith out of Lakeland High School. Um, kind of a track and football guy, really speedy. Um, 24-7 sports has him ranked in the top 30. So this is a big guy that Florida is really looking to impress. 
Um, again, on the defensive side of the ball, we've talked about safety and kind of the, how they've been looking for help there with, with again, and quite a few veteran guys there. Um, Avante Williams, the Oregon commit out of DeLand High School, um, is, is a guy that Florida has gotten on campus in July or, yeah, excuse me, in July for their Friday Night Lights camp. Um, he's been committed to Oregon for a while, but I wouldn't say that that commitment is super airtight, solid. He's, he's kind of messed around with Georgia, Miami. I believe he popped up at Ole Miss for a visit. Either way, he's a guy who's still openly not shy about the fact he's talking with uh, with other schools. Uh, one of the interesting, probably the more interesting names that I saw on the visitor list whenever I was kind of going through was, was Ethan Pouncey, the four, uh, four-star Texas commit um, from Central Florida. His older brother is currently on the Texas roster right now. Um, a lot of people thought he was really kind of keyed in on Auburn before he made the commitment and obviously he kind of uh, maybe pulled a little bit of a fast one on people and, and popped to the Longhorns Either way, he's he's going to be there to catch the game. Um, Florida is looking for help on the offensive tackle position, and, and one of their top guys is uh, Isaiah Walker. He'll be there. The real question to look for here is that he's been invited by both Florida and Miami. So you would think that whatever side he sits on, I wouldn't say that necessarily points to, oh, man, he's a lock to that school, but it does help in the fact that he's going to be around whatever school's commitment uh, commits that are going to be there, and they're going to be in his ear and whatnot and his family and all that. Um uh, an outside linebacker defensive end, uh, he reclassified from the 2021 class to the 2020 class is Donald Harris from down in Miami. Um, he's he's really skinny, and obviously that comes from kind of reclassifying, and um, he's more than likely going to be a redshirt guy um, as he kind of gets in and, and really works into a team's uh, you know conditioning and weightlifting and program and stuff. He, he's going to really need that. I think that Florida and Texas A&M are kind of the main schools there. Miami, Florida State have kind of jumped in um, somewhat late-ish. I mean, he had offers from them, but as far as written official offers when they came out in August, um, they were a little late to the punch there. So it seems like schools are kind of figuring out that they're going to go for him as he as he reclassifies from a 2020 to a, or excuse me to a 21 to a 20 uh safety Ladarius Tennyson um from Rockledge High School will be there um really kind of looking at Florida and, and Auburn right now I think that Auburn might be the team to beat there he was just there at the end of July um but Florida has has really liked him I, I think he's he's a dynamic playmaker I you know put the ball in his hands at running back put him at safety star kind of position there I think he's a very very good player and I think that Florida with their need at safety is is one that I think that he should be you know one to follow I do think that for now the time being that they are going to have to watch out for Auburn and and then obviously another cornerback from Lakeland High School is Kendall Dennis. I think Auburn is another guy that's a big player there. Um, Miami, he's, he's talked about them some. Florida, Tennessee. So, you know, quite a few SEC schools have, have really kind of caught his eye. As far as a decision for a lot of these guys, I don't know that any of these guys are really on fire to make a commitment if they're not already committed somewhere else. I, you know, I don't see that any kind of you know quick flip or anything like that down the road. But you know, Florida winning this game with a lot of South Florida guys there, I think will catch their attention. And not only that, but the 2021 class, the 2022 class are both loaded in South Florida. So I think that this game kind of beating up on the whole town hurricanes is a chance for Florida to kind of get a look from some of these guys. And, you know, maybe it leads to them getting on campus at some point um, in general, just showing more attention to Florida. And they're obviously going to have a lot of 2021 kids there um, at the cornerback position, wide receiver position, defensive line. So a lot of these areas that Florida needs to hit, you know, either way, they're going to have a lot of recruits at this game. And it's, it's a pretty big um, recruiting game for them. And a lot of guys are going to be there to see this big week zero matchup. So it should be pretty loaded with the recruiting content following that game well there you have it a lot of reasons to win this game and uh blake and i we were both on the record double digit comfortable florida win 
Only about 48 hours till Toe Meets Leather, guys. And we will be back on Sunday night to break down the game. This is how we're going to do it every week. Uh, we'll drop a, a Thursday evening, Friday morning podcast, kind of previewing the game. Uh, obviously, we had a lot more time this offseason to break down Miami, but we'll try to pack everything into that episode. And then after each game, uh, Sunday afternoon, I will sit down with either Blake or Luke, and we will get you a full game wrap-up after we've had a chance to review the game a second time. And uh, we hope you guys enjoy that format throughout the season. Anyway, that's it for this episode, guys. We will see you on the other side of Game 1. Game 1.